your head out of the clouds Get your feet back on the ground Get stuck into pop culture With Stick Around Hello there and welcome to Stick Around The podcast that is critically acclaimed, divisive to fans and excessively profitable Brought to you by First United Bank of Pottersville, bringing you the social housing of the future. Today. <laughs> well finished there, Al. <laughs> hey everybody, uh, this is Films, episode 28, uh, Streamline Crew today. Uh, I, Clive, am here with films expert David Peeling. Hello there. And films expert Alex Wayne. Hello. Um, I mean, speak for yourself when you say streamlined. I think I must have put on at least a stone over Christmas. <laughs> <laughs> if anything, I am, you know, dragging in the wind. Uh, definitely not streamlined. But. Well, you haven't added a whole Michael to yourself, have you? So I think we're still streamlined <laughs> as a whole. Yeah, that's true, yeah. <laughs> um, we're here. This is kind of a, a sort of Christmas special, although it's after Christmas and before new year so merry christmas happy new year all that stuff happy uh, we're going to mainly be talking about star wars but we've also got some other some other goodies in the bag so yeah have we been watching much except for star wars people or? um i've watched a couple of films but it wasn't that long ago that we recorded the last films show mm. uh, so i haven't had a big backlog but um yeah got a couple i'm going to talk about cool dave uh yeah, same. I've I've not been since uh, since the last films podcast, apart from to see Star Wars. Fair play. Have we watched many films over Christmas? I watched uh, the Nightmare Before Christmas for the first time in about ten years. Uh, I enjoyed it. It was good. It, I did not remember any of it, funnily enough. <laughs> uh, I yeah, it was good. I, I've watched Die Hard as I do every year. <laughs> yeah, I thought uh, you might have done. I've also watched It's a Wonderful Life, which um, I've, I think I'm going to start doing as a tradition and i also watched um muppet christmas carol which is three classics yeah. if you ask me i should watch muppet's christmas carol i don't know if i've seen that one i feel like i've only seen the pirate one i saw the last 20 minutes of how to train your dragons too <laughs> <laughs> that's as christmasy as it gets well that's my yeah. yeah i've done it every year just the last 20 minutes every year for the last uh, 15 years <laughs> well, many years before you... it came out <laughs> it's a cracking last 20 minutes oh i mean um what happens in the last 20 minutes, Dave? Um, enlighten me. <laughs> I mean, I don't want to say the dragons win, but... Um, <laughs> but the, that's what happened. Yeah. Was, it, was it a mistake to train the dragons? No, quite the opposite. It was a, it was a mistake to try and um, attack the people who had trained their dragons. Ah, okay. All right, okay. I can't have seen it, but I can't remember. I remember there being some sort of huge Viking-type character who isn't his dad. Exactly. That I liked, but I can't remember it. But yeah, it's, it's so Star Wars. Who wants to do like the, you know, the pro, I think I'm the wrong man to do the professional intro bit. Um, professional isn't my middle name, unlike <laughs> Alex Wade, whose <laughs> middle name is professional. Would you like to do the bit, you know, the, uh, you know, starring, blah, blah? Yeah, sure. Okay, let's go for it. Okay. Uh, we're going to talk about, as mentioned, Star Wars The Last Jedi. And uh, the latest uh, in the Star Wars franchise, Episode Eight, to be precise. Um, You've already you... smashed it. Well done. Yeah, <laughs> directed by <laughs> Ryan Johnson, probably best known for Looper or Brick. Um, 
starring the usual cast um, Mark Hamill, Carrie Fisher, Adam Driver, Daisy Ridley, John Baega, Oscar Isaac, Andy Serkis, uh, Donald Gleason, Anthony Daniels, Gwendolyn Christie. Stop me at any point. Um, new new people: Kelly Tran, uh, Laura Dern, Benicio del Toro. It's a huge cast, all of whom are walking away with oodles of cash. I'm sure. Um, <laughs> the sequel to The Force Awakens from 2015 um, sees picks off pretty much exactly where it left off with uh, the main protagonist Ray finally meeting Luke Skywalker and then the Resistance on the run from the I nearly said the Empire there but um, the First Order um, I mean essentially they're interchangeable aren't they Rebellion, Resistance, much, yeah. Empire, First Order who cares yeah. <laughs> it's been divisive among fans but uh, as we kind of hinted at in our tagline and it's been critically acclaimed I'm interested to see where everyone goes on this. I went for the second time. I went for the second time to see it the other day, and um, ah. two pe- two people I went with. One person really liked it. One person hated it. So um, <laughs> okay, I'm interested to see where everyone goes on that. Um, yeah, um, how, I was thinking how to to do this. We'll go. We'll do our sort of overall thoughts to start with, and then we will have a spoilery thing because I think. But the best kind of discussion on this film will involve some spoilers. Uh, so we'll obviously notify you when that's about to happen, and I'll put it in the notes as well. What time you want to go back in for the for the end of the episode? But I think that's the best way to go about it, as I assume most people who want to see it and care will have seen it by now because it's been out for a while. And mm-hmm. um, I I've also just saw it the second time, um, Al. And the first time I wasn't I I enjoyed it, but I didn't I wasn't that into it, and I sort of agreed with a lot of the criticisms. But the second time I really liked it, <laughs> so I kind of did a bit of a Yui on it and um now i'm a big fan of it which i'll um i just w- the first time i came out i thought you know there's too much there's a there's a few loopholes that bothered me at the time i thought that some of the characters weren't done justice in some of the decisions that were made but it, it weirdly on the second time of watching it i actually like those kind of things sort of flipped on the head and i actually liked that he'd done that that ryan johnson had done that when i thought about it more carefully i don't know it, it's weird, and I'll get into it more when we're going to spoilers. But I, I now really like the film, and I think a lot of the problem that it that I thought it had was just because of the fact it's in the middle of this trilogy. And if if I, for example, took Empire Strikes Back, which I think is a great film, and didn't have Return of the Jedi at the end, you'd be like, "What the fuck is this?" Because it doesn't end in any sort of <laughs> brilliant way unless you've watched Return of the Jedi after it. So. Um, I think it suffers from a bit from that, and apparently, um, Empire Strikes Back wasn't particularly well received when it came out. I didn't realise that at the time, but that's what I've heard since. Um, and yeah, I, I I really really like it now, and I think it took uh, I think it took a lot of risks, which I appreciate it for, because I think it could have got stale, and I think they did a lot of stuff with it that stopped that happening. And it was, I think. In a way, Ryan Johnson went a bit radical. It felt like he kind of tore up a lot of the stuff that J.J. <laughs> uh, Abrams had laid the foundations for. But I kind of like that. On second viewing, I kind of liked that, that he was a bit like, meh, this is kind of the same as it was before. I'm going to change this up. And I don't know, I think he mixed a lot of things up without getting into too many details. But So, yeah, overall, now I really like it, which I'll get into more when we go into the spoiler section. But that's my overall thoughts. Al, where where do you lie on the... I, Spectrum, um, pretty much identical to your opinion, actually. Um, although I didn't have as maybe as many reservations when I came out the first time, I felt that the uh, my initial thoughts were it had a strong start, 
um, a baggy middle, um, but the, the last third was exceptional. I thought it did mm-hmm. take some risks. And one thing that really, really enthused me, which seems to have been a problem for a lot of people, is I love the fact that it didn't try too hard to tie up every loose end. I'm sick of films giving me a backstory. It's totally complex for every single character. Um, I'm sick of films trying to universe build too much, you know, when you've already got a huge universe. I think a good example of that would be like... um, the Alien films, so Alien Covenant especially, and Prometheus, you know, pretty much showing the strings too much. Um, mm-hmm. I mean, the, pre- the Star Wars prequels proved that we didn't really need to know how we got there. Um, it's, it's enough to have heard about how we got there rather than seeing it, um, which is one of the reasons, sorry to bring this in, Clive, but in Game of Thrones, some people have suggested with some <laughs> of the prequel series they're intending to show the events that led up to Game of Thrones, and I really don't want to see that because it works really well just hearing the stories rather than um, seeing it because I think it's bound to disappoint when you've already got an idea of how it went in your head and then you see it later. Mm. Um, I thought the performance was really good, actually. Um, I thought Mark Hamill especially was good. and I did wonder whether he, if he knew how to act anymore because he doesn't hasn't really done a huge <laughs> amount since then. I know he's yeah, done, I thought he was great. Yeah, I, th- I know he's done voice acting as most famously so the Joker, but um, I thought he was good. I thought Adam Driver was the standout, though. I thought um, nobody does petulance, kind of a raw mix of kind of hatred and absolute um, vulnerability, the way he does. And I like the fact that he really took it seriously. I think there's a tendency with films like this for some people to ham it up or overact almost. I thought Adam Driver treated this like he was... Um, like he was doing a Terence Malick flick, flick, like he was doing, you know, Oscar worthy, and I, I, I like the the commitment to the cause there. Uh, I, I thought Daisy Ridley was was solid in the role, um, and I just I like the plotting. I thought it made a lot of sense. So there was a few missteps. I thought that I will go over later on. And, yeah, um, sure. They bothered me less second time, but I still think there was one or two things that mm. probably could have improved for him. I still think the middle is baggy, and um, you know. Um, but you know, I had a lot of fun with it, um, and I thought I thought the end was particularly satisfying. Dave, what did you think? I think that my my opinion isn't that much different from you guys. So I've I've seen the film twice now as well. I <laughs> um, cool. I saw it the first time, and I I think I enjoyed it, and I'm glad I saw it. But I came out more more I, I felt kind of confused and um uh left a bit cold i think i spent a lot of the time during my first watch kind of thinking about things that don't make sense from a canon perspective and things that seemed really unusual or out there or i spent a lot of time going ah oh, that doesn't make any sense that couldn't happen I watched it again um, a week later, and the second time I thought it was absolutely brilliant, and I let go of that all those. Very similar to me. <laughs> I let go of all those worries about what could or couldn't happen, or who is mm. what, or I think the film does a great job of um, playing on all those questions that fans may have had after the first film, and then basically at different points throughout them for throughout throughout the film saying it really doesn't fucking matter <laughs> with almost every single question that you came out of the first movie with 
and um, I think the first time I felt slightly affronted and the second time mm. I I was totally on board with it. I was like, yeah, absolutely, it doesn't matter. Let's go watch a kick-ass Star Wars film. As, as with all kind of watching the second time, it's always fun to see uh, twists that you you now know are coming later on develop, or mm-hmm. even not even twists, but you know plot points that are coming later on. See how they've been embedded into the film earlier on. Um, I. I I agree with with Al. Definitely, Adam Driver was the standout for me. He's got um, a wonderful uh, a wonderful control of his uh, uh, emotions, the way he can display them on the screen and let you know just how much someone's you know how much Carlo's like heart is ripping apart at any given moment. It's um, yeah, it, it was really uh, really excellent from him. I was slightly left a bit flat by Mark Hamill who. You know, you finally oh, really? okay. you finally get to see, um, at least for, uh, for, you know, if you finally get to see act and talk and move and things um, after the, after the Force Awakens, uh, I, I just I got a little bit of the sense that some of the stuff that they had Luke do was more because of Mark Hamill's kind of advanced age from the first films rather than some something that you know was a, a kind of storied necessity he seems sometimes seemed a little bit wooden but that's probably that's that's definitely a really pernickety point like I, I i really enjoyed the version of luke skywalker that you get in this movie in general and i'm 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 glad that he is um i'm glad that he is this version and not not one that we've seen previously um yeah i i totally i after after i saw it the second time this has gone you know, right up towards the top of my favourite Star Wars movies. It's totally rollicking from start to finish. It is non-stop mm. action. There is... I, I, I've i heard this thing about the flabby middle and I... I kind of see it, but I, I, I didn't consider it flabby myself. I think it is... For, it feels like it is quite a long film for a Star Wars film. I'm not sure actually in running time if that adds up or not. I've not investigated it. It is. It's the longest. Yeah. By, by so, a so I, it, yeah, it definitely feels the longest. But the director inherited a, a cast of um, 27 main characters, and um, <laughs> and considering what he'd been given by Abrams at the end of the first one, he does a he does a pretty good job with all of them. Um, and I, I really enjoyed the way the stories worked, overlapped. Um, uh, yeah, I thought it was really well done, and I, I really loved the what was several endings. Really, um, yeah, I really, enjoy, I really, really enjoyed it. I think what I, I think what I find interesting is that when I've t- talked to some people who didn't really like it, I've heard exact contrary points. Like some people have complained that it's not like Star Wars enough. Mm-hmm. Other other people have said, oh, it tries too hard to you know branch out I think I think some people I, I, in fact I think I've heard the same contrary arguments from the same person and I just didn't know what to say to them um, I, I think the, the thing that some people have a problem is they're expecting Star Wars to be Star Wars forever and ever and ever but they don't really know what they want because if Star Wars was exactly the same as it's always been, mm, yeah, be it would boring. be stale and it'd be boring, and yeah, yeah. they'd be moaning about that differently. But yeah. people like you know 
you know, people like having the same dairy milk bar week in, week out. They like. What I think they know. people see it as like some. If, if I imagine, if you're, you know, I'm, I'm a, I'm a Star Wars fan. I'm not a diehard Star Wars fan, and even if I am a fan of something, I want to see it surprise me. You know, whereas I think some people see it more as like a com- almost a comfort thing, and it's like if it does something that shocks them a bit, they're a bit like, oh, I don't really like that. <laughs> uh, they would rather see it go the way they want it to go which I don't think is the point of media. I don't know. I just think... Yeah, I, I really like... On second viewing, and I, I think Dave summed it much better than I did. I did. I think I felt subconsciously a bit affronted, like you, Dave, on the first viewing. Mm. But actually, on second viewing, I was like, the things that affronted me, I was like, actually, I'm really glad he did that, because I think that was the right way to go. I think <laughs> if I'd yeah. liked it on the first viewing, probably on the second viewing, I'd have been like, yeah, actually, this is a bit boring, and he's just done the same stuff as before. Yeah. Um, because I think because you haven't seen it for so long, it does that wouldn't bother you so much on the first viewing, but on the second viewing, you're like, oh, actually, this is quite different. And he's taken a bit of a turn here, and I really appreciate him for that. Whereas the first time I watched it, because I hadn't watched uh, Star Wars in ages, um, well, since you know Rogue One, which is obviously not the main line series, it probably affronted me a bit, like you say. But I, I yeah, I really like it now, and I think he made lots of good decisions, and I think I've read sort of arguments on both sides. But I just think yeah. that it would have. I think what most people wanted, the people who are complaining, would have just been like, "Oh, let's just make the first trilogy again." <laughs> and it's like, what's the point? Yeah, absolutely. Uh, I, th- I think one thing that is often forgotten is that there are an awful lot of people who really like the first trilogy, the um, the prequel trilogy. Mm-hmm. That um, mm. there were a bunch of films that were very different from the original three. There were a bunch of films that focused... Yeah, there's the whole, you know, George Lucas goes nuts on the CG stuff. But it (laughs) also goes really into detail on the history of the Jedi, lore, the way, you know, um, all the detail, all the backstory. And there are people who really love those films for that. And I, I... I enjoyed those films more than I think a lot of people did, partly because of that type of stuff. I found that quite interesting at the time, and I I, yeah. I, I, really, I enjoyed those movies for that. They, they're not better than the original trilogy by any means, uh, but um, they kind of cater to a different audience, and I think you've got an audience that have grown to actually appreciate those films more since their release than coming to this film, which goes, no, forget about it all. Not essentially forget about everything you've ever heard in a Star Wars film before now. Um, mm-hmm. Here's an adventure film set in space with some people that you've heard of, but that's about your lot. See, I didn't like the prequels for, for the same reason that you... sounds like you enjoyed them. I didn't like the fact that it told me too much about the backstory. Mm. I mean, on paper, I would have loved... I loved the sound of them. Uh, and potentially, maybe they could have worked better, in my opinion. But um, I think, to me... It was enough hearing about, you know, I think people always forget, you know, that oh, that uh, salvo from Princess Leia when she's been projected out of R2-D2 and she says, you know, you served my father well in the Clone Wars. I think I forgot that that was part of it. And then you obviously you see the Clone Wars in the films. And I think, um, I don't think I needed to see the Clone Wars, for instance. I'd rather hear about them, but that's a difference, you know, yeah. it's a difference of opinion. I think if they'd been, had they been done more to my taste, you know, I'd, I'm sure I'd be the same, but um, it's it it. I find it interesting how many people can have different reasons for either liking this film or disliking it. It shows it means something. Star Wars obviously means different things to different people. Yeah, for it's sure. It's not just universal. Yeah, 
and 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 you only have to see, you know, the fact there are that there's we've had Rogue One, we've had um, the Clone Wars, the animated movie, we've got Solo coming out in May. There are God knows how many different cartoons versions of of the Star Wars universe to see that there are loads of people who are just fascinated by that stuff as more than mm-hmm. you know the universe and mm-hmm. the way the universe works almost more than the Skywalker trilogy type of thing that we've had up until now you know there are there are two uh, you know there are there are some really hardcore fans out there who I can see can have been affronted by this and I there were occasions where I thought bits were a bit mad by comparison to the way the rest of it works but and it, and it took me watching it a second time to really kind of go for god's sake it's just a story and <laughs> this is it it has to be the way this works because this is the film that's been made you know that that's just forget about it that, you know whether or not it does that this is the story you're being told and um yeah i embraced it much more the second time for that shall we go into our spoiler territory yes let's do that Sure. How do we want to? Shall I just mention a couple of things that I? I'll, I'll start with a couple of things that I really so, liked. Yeah, so Warwick, hang on, Warwick, hang on. Warwick Davis is in it. <laughs> <laughs> hang on, I think I feel like we should quick. do some kind of klaxon and kind of like you know. Yeah. <laughs> okay. Clive, do you have a klaxon there, or can you edit one in? Um, I can make a noise. <laughs> spoilers! Like spoilers! Spoilers! <laughs> Coming yeah, in we're... five, four, three, two, one. Check your notes, uh, skip forward to that time if you don't want to be spoiled on anything. We are about to go balls deep into spoilers. <laughs> um, I'll just mention a couple of things that I really liked. So first, I really like the fact, on this is something I noticed on second viewing, I really like the fact that um, Poe and Finn sort of, you know, something that I didn't like, the first viewing I didn't really like that whole side bit, I thought it was a bit too much going on and I didn't think it needed it but on second view I like the fact that the fact that they did this side mission and didn't really listen to the commander meant that a lot of people in the resistance died and um, I thought that was an interesting take because I think in previous Star Wars and pretty much any other film the renegades uh, who sort of break the rules always end up saving the day and um, I think it was interesting that it was brought up the fact that that kind of attitude can actually lead to people dying <laughs> and isn't always the right way to go. Mm. Um, so I thought that was interesting. On second view, something I noticed that was quite unique about it. And I, I really, I heard a lot of people whinge about the fact that, oh, Snoke was built up as this massive character and then just dies. But I thought that was great because I think I just totally didn't expect it, that to happen. And I think it's quite rare that that kind of thing happens in this type of film where it just it just wasn't predictable at all. I didn't think he was going to die, and I thought the way it was done was really good. I thought that whole scene was fantastic. Um, so yeah, those, those are two of the risks that I think Ryan Johnson took that I particularly liked. But I don't know what anyone else wants to mention. I I concur concur on both of those. My only point to add to your first point um, about you know uh, Poe Dameron and uh, Finn basically costing lives is the yeah. fact that all of this could have been avoided had they been told the plan. Yeah, that that on the first time really bothered me, but on my second watch, it seemed a bit more believable because Poe was being a bit of a, I don't know, like I don't know how much of a big deal he was, and I think if someone had been like that to me as a commander, I probably would have just treated him the same way that Holdo did on second <laughs> viewing. Yeah, uh, <laughs> but not uh, on first viewing. That really, really, that was the bit that really 
turned me on the film and annoyed me. But on the second viewing, I actually thought it was more believable. Oh no, and... I, I I did like it for the same reason. Um, one thing, one thing. I suppose we're doing likes to start with. One thing aside from that that I really really liked. Um, I well, you mentioned it. I really liked that we didn't find out any more about Snoke. Uh, some people are moaning about it. But yeah. Did we did we know much about the Emperor? Um, I mean, I know we do from the prequels, but we didn't when we watched the original trilogy. Mm-hmm. And nobody, you know, seemed to moan about it then. I think it's fine just to have this all evil character. You don't mm-hmm. necessarily need to know his backstory, especially not in a space opera like Star Wars. I agree, and it's good. I like the fact that the, that character is now gone because that's one thing that removes it from the other Star Wars. Because that's char- that type of character has always been there with the Emperor. Mm. It's mm. good now that that character doesn't exist. <laughs> it makes it a bit more interesting. Yeah. And I liked what I liked about that scene in particular was obviously you kind of I don't know about you but my initial assumption was Kylo Ren has you know Ben Solo has turned back to the light and then you realise no he hasn't he's just sees power for himself mm-hmm. um, and I, I like that kind of twist within a twist I mean it became obvious when shortly after that scene which was a stunningly uh, choreographed fight scene by the way I thought yeah um, I but. I just like he's got this massive conflict in his character, obviously, but you just don't know which way he's going to go. And I remain unconvinced that he will actually come back to the light, despite the fact he's clearly conflicted. Um, and another thing I really, really liked was um, that entire final scene with Luke Skywalker. First thing when I watched it, first of all, was how the fuck did he get there? You know, how <laughs> did he sneak in the back there and then yeah. go, he goes out? And there's <laughs> that scene where obviously he gets peppered by those lasers. Then he walks away, which is really, really cool. But then I was thinking, hang on a minute. Is this, you know, this is overpowered Jedi. And then, obviously, the big reveal, he's not even there, <laughs> which was yeah. really, really clever. And on second viewing, I noticed the fact that, he, like, he never gets touched, which is exactly yeah. why. Um, And, yeah, I, I just thought the entire setup was really, was really clever. And uh, I didn't mind that Luke dies that way. Uh, some people are saying, oh, he needed a more dramatic death, but why? You know, not every death needs to be that Han Solo death from The Force Awakens. You know, it was a dramatic death. He he died to save them, and then he, you know, he just fades away. What what did you like in particular about Dave? What were your stand-up moments, aside, aside from what we've mentioned? Um, so, bits that I I really liked. I, um, I loved the opening scene. I loved the opening... Um, uh, battle to take out the, yes. the Dreadnought. I thought that was stunning. Mm, it looked yeah, yeah. absolutely superb. It set the tone. It um, it, it it showed, you know, not just there was obviously there was there were pose actions, but there were mainly it was a sacrifice of the many, um, you know, to 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 bring down that ship and how ultimately maybe it wasn't actually for the benefit of um of the of the resistance in the end but it it was it looked absolutely stunning i do um you know you can there are lots of little horrible little almost fourth wall breaking gravity moments in it that like when she kicks a ladder why why would the thing fall down we're in, we're not, <laughs> the guy behind me actually space. at the end of the film his only comment was all I want to know is how do you drop bombs in space yeah exa- exactly <laughs> um, so there, but once you kind of stop to think maybe and just pre- let's presume we can drop go- bombs in space um, yeah that, that opening scene was, was absolutely stunning 
I I loved the um, I loved the humour in it like throughout um, uh, right right at the very start, but um, uh, also the moment when they're they're pounding Luke into the ground apparently, and um, Hux asks if they think they've got him. Got, yeah. got a little laugh, <laughs> and then yeah, oh, he's, you haven't. He's... See, he seemed to be played with kind of more more ham, shall we say, this time. Yeah, but he was a very different. It, 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 it worked, though. It worked, though, I think. Because he, he's got that kind of... Donald Gleeson, that he, tremendous actor, he's got that ability to absolutely warp himself. Because in some films, he looks like the most charming guy you've ever met. But in this, he looks so oily and snake-like. It's, uh, mm-hmm. He's very good. Yeah. yeah well, well uh, I think John. Uh, I think um, Johnson here has done a much better job of defining Snoke than than Abrams did. It, it, Abrams, he was a bad guy, and he was just a really evil guy um, who did a big speech that looked just like <laughs> Nuremberg. But but there was nothing to set him apart really from Snoke or uh, to some extent Ren in that they were all bad guys. You mm. didn't really know any of the motivation for any of them. And then this time, you know, they've clear, he's clearly defined who all these people are. He's killed Snoke, so you don't need to worry about it. Ren is the supreme leader of the First Order and has this split running right down the middle of him. And uh, and Hux is, um, is only out for power for himself, for personal gain, and is essentially you know an Egypt underneath it all you know beyond beyond that and i they've done a much better job of defining those those roles mm-hmm. um i loved the um the visuals in the battle of um crates um with the with the skimmers speeding across the sand and throwing up the red yeah. dust that that looked absolutely awesome um as far as um kind of I, I I enjoyed actually the moment when Ray goes down and and kind of um, she goes down into that pit and kind of where where the dark side shows her what it is that she's looking for, mm-hmm. and I loved the conflict there the fact that this film has said there is no good at you know or evil that everyone is everyone is conflicted even the Jedi masters, uh, but I love I love that bit I loved the ambiguity of it. Um, um, very yeah. surreal, wasn't it? That scene. I enjoyed that. Yeah, absolutely. And I remember when um, when she reaches out and touches the glass, and the two shadowy shapes move into one. I turned to Hannah and said, "Immaculate conception." <laughs> <laughs> and then it wasn't. It was just Ray. Yeah, <laughs> I think. I think. I sorry to interrupt, but I, I really enjoyed the fact that her parents, well, at least seemingly, are nobodies. I think that's great mm-hmm. because too many times in saga films like this, everybody has to be connected to somebody. You know, why can't they just be? Why can't she just be the daughter of some junk traders? Yeah, absolutely. And um, and that was one of the many questions going into the film that people had. And he kind of and he and the director just went, "Don't worry about it." Or maybe maybe <laughs> yeah. even maybe even more than, "Don't worry about it." But you know, it was. You know, there is no big secret here. She is kick-ass because she's kick-ass. You know, she's 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 you know she's good at what she does because she's good at what she does because you know because that's her. 
Yeah, not because she was born from some lineage or something. Uh, yeah, there's the, well, why why can't why can't I mean that that's the big undertone throughout all of this movie that the uh, that every previous one doesn't have and is t- and totally sets up uh, Ryan Johnson's own trilogy that he's going to have after this one's finished as well. The the fact that Skywalkers don't make aren't the only Jedi in the world in the galaxy you don't have to have been you know trained by a Jedi master from a young age to know what's going good to go and to know what's going on with the force it's everyone has good in them everyone can be part of this from um from Ray who manages to come across you know Han Solo and Chewbacca and all those original all those original Jedi type people from the from the original trilogy through to a stable boy who can lift a brush up with the force at the very end. You know, the whole that that's the thing in this film that all the other films have missed is that the force is albeit it's explicitly said in the original trilogy that the force is in everything. This film has kind of demonstrated it for the first time that mm-hmm. um it doesn't have to be royal lineage that um, that that makes you good or bad. Mm. Yeah, totally concur with that. And, um, and and it seems to me that, as I say, it, it goes it, the I, I like the message, I or it, the the verging on socialist message behind it all, but the cynic in me says this. It just makes it so much easier for the for um, Star Wars ten through twelve when Ryan mm-hmm. Johnson gets to make that trilogy in, in six or seven years' time. Yeah. Shall we have a brief moment where we discuss what we didn't like? I mean, there's not much I didn't like, but um, even, seeing, it, e- even seeing it twice, I still didn't like that uh, layer fl- floating around in space. No, so. I did not like that either. Uh, it didn't bother me first time or second time. I've heard lots of complaints about it, but I can see why it bothered people. It didn't bother me, but... <laughs> I, I, I don't know. It just. Um, I mean, fair enough. We're talking about you know how a bomb's going to be dropped in space. You might mention why are there <laughs> explosions in space? There shouldn't be any sound in space. That I can get past, but um, some reason I have a harder time getting past the fact that she would have instantly froze to death. Um, and yes, I know the force can protect her, but I don't know. I just didn't like that. She should the have whole exploded. purpose of. Yeah, well, yeah, yeah. I mean, yeah, the your whole... internal body pressure pushes you apart, and you just explode. Yeah. I mean, the, the whole purpose of her, you know, of doing that was to incapacitate her so Poe could go on his rampage, basically. There's so many other ways she could have been incapacitated. Ah, uh, that's um, interesting, because that's not what I read that read from that. Okay, all right. So, yeah, absolutely, it does incapacitate her for a great chunk of the movie. Um, but also, it reveals that she can use the Force. That that's the first time you see Leia in a Star Wars yeah. movie using the Force. Like she has kind of had that, you know, in her mind. She can kind of know that people are suffering or where you know that Luke is happy or sad type of thing. But you know, she she used the Force to drag herself back inside that ship, and that's the first time that you see that. And one of the one of the many you know utterly devastating sad things about Carrie Fisher's death is that so many points in this film were obviously setting up for her to be the main person in nine that you're not going to get to see you know I think 
the fact that she the fact that she dragged herself onto the ship is almost like her the force awakening in her almost and it proves that she's capable of that type of thing the first film was obviously about Han Solo this one was about Luke Skywalker and the third one was going to be about Leia but yeah, that's, but, but now that's what I thought was na- right. now we're not going to get to see that I I I I don't I didn't like the floating in space thing because it did just I found it so hard to not think of all those things that don't make sense about it from a physics point of view and I realized that <laughs> that these films are about suspending belief but but fuck me I I've watched like 15 hours of people prattling about with lightsabers like I can suspend reality um yeah <laughs> but that just that was just too much for me that I didn't you know it t- it took me out of the movie a little bit and it made me you know it made me very aware of what I was watching and sometimes that's not a good thing in the middle of a movie like that it has its place in some movies but not not so much in this one yeah um the only other th- there wasn't a great deal else I didn't like um I felt that um I like the porgs I mean, obviously that that you know they're in the film to sell toys, but they mm-hmm. are suitably adorable. I yeah, didn't like I, I didn't I didn't like the fucking name of the crystal fox things. There was a line in it where John Boyega goes, "Where did the crystal critters go?" And I just thought, "Oof!" I don't. I think that just the word critters just went right through me. But um, yeah, no, no, that's not their actual name, though, is it? I think I thought uh, yeah, it I just get... was like he didn't know what they were called, so that's what he called um, them. Yeah, well, that's, that's regardless, but it, I, he did. I, it, yeah, I. I I agree with you, Clive, but I also agree with Al that the way he delivered that line made it sound like that's what they're called rather than, yeah. you know. <laughs> oh, okay. Yeah, I mean, to be fair, the, the person who I went to the cinema with who didn't like it at all loved the Pogs to the point where, um, you know, says he's actually going to buy a Pog toy, but um, even though they didn't <laughs> like the film. But, um, yeah, I mean, okay. the cynic in me knows that they're in there just to sell toys, just like... In the you know the first of the prequels, the pod racing was just in there to sell toys or computer games, but you know didn't care really. Well, do you know what? The, um, do you know why they had to originally put porgs in? Not not why they had to make them cute, but why they had to do it. No, no. no. Um, filming on that island, Skellig Michael. Um, that 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 island is just off the coast of of uh, the Republic of Ireland, in the middle of the Atlantic, and so they can only they could only film in the summer, um, and all the like all the the stone brick buildings and things they're part of a of a medieval monastery, um, so, but so they could only film in the summer um, to avoid storms, but in the summer that was when um, uh, puffin uh, breeding season was. So every time you went, there were millions of puffins on the island flying around, doing all the things that those porgs were doing. And they started originally CGing out the puffins and then realised very quickly that it was going to be an absolutely enormous job to cut every single one out. And so they didn't. They left them all in and all the things that you then later see from the wide shots are as being porgs because you've met them a couple of times up close are actually just puffins on the island. Wow, okay. Wow, <laughs> fair cool. enough. Did not know that. There you go. Boom. You hear, you hear something first. <laughs> Was there anything you didn't like, Clive? Anything that did great you? Um, yeah, that's, uh, even on second viewing, I didn't like the casino planet thing. 
I thought that was a bit, um, I don't know, I just thought it was a bit like the, the socialist message in that was a bit ham-fisted. Yes. Yeah, a bit heavy-handed, you, yeah. You have the like, yeah, a bit heavy-handed and just, just didn't feel, felt a bit out of place and didn't seem that interesting, didn't have any sort of new interesting take on the thing, I didn't think. It was just like, oh, here's a really rich planet. Surprise, surprise, they're taking, you know, <laughs> they're taking advantage of really poor people to make this uh, rich thing in existence. I um, didn't think it was particularly interesting. So, But I didn't, the the whole sort of jaunt in side story didn't bother me as much. And the first time I thought it was kind of pointless because I did think, why didn't Holdo just say? On the second time, I think that bothered me a lot less. And I think actually it was quite believable that Holdo didn't tell them because yeah. Poe was being a bit of a dick. Um, on second viewing, I was like, yeah, if if I just saw Poe as this guy who, because he hasn't at this point, isn't like a massive hero or anything. Uh, <laughs> yeah, uh, I could see why she would treat him like that. I think if someone was doing that when you're a commander, you would just be a bit, bit pissed off. <laughs> the thing I the so. thing I didn't get about her was why why did she not sacrifice herself twenty minutes earlier? Yes, that I was like, yeah. why didn't? Why, why have why we just watched like twenty of these ships all be just picked off one by one? <laughs> if she do the, the moment she says exactly. to Leia, "I am going to be the one that stays back and and you know pilot this ship." First off, are you really telling me there's not a droid in the universe that could do that job? It has to be her. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> and secondly, like she's done that because she knows she's going to die. So why what mm-hmm. she's all has she not already kind of made that decision? What what takes her so long? I mean, I realise why it's because they have to get down to the thirty people that are going to fit on the Millennium Falcon. But <laughs> yeah. like, it seems a pretty brutal way of doing it. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, I agree. She should have. It, it seemed like oh, she had only just come up with this idea that if she went light speed through the destroyer, it would kill it. But like, I'm not sure that she did that a good enough job of, of it. Yeah, I'm not sure that yeah, the actress didn't. did enough a good enough job of selling any kind of conflict in her about doing it oh and i tell you what actually whilst we're on the subject of of, of holdo um godspeed rebels that absolutely yeah. gets on my tits like are we not is the hot you know one of the big things in this franchise is that it's a secular universe and that god has got nothing to do with it you know there is a fo- <laughs> there is a force but it's controlled by people Mm-hmm. You know, and it's a choice, and suddenly everyone is saying God all the time. That <laughs> that I didn't like at all. Yeah, I think I, I can see that. I, I'm I'm guessing they didn't really consider the implications of the word Godspeed. No, uh, I think I'm, so. I'm, yeah. I'm guessing they probably just said it as a, you know it's you know it's as a term basically. Yeah, but yeah, I can see I can see where you're coming from. That and I get that if it's just a line that one of them say, but when it kind of gets thrown back as a you know. When it becomes a throwback later on, a callback, mm. sorry, later on, mm. um, you know, then obviously it has been thought about a great deal. If, 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 if you know, maybe not the implication of the word God, but like it has been thought about a great mm. deal. How did no one sit up and kind of go, uh, that's not really in keeping? <laughs> I'm guessing it was written, my guess would be more like it was written the once someone in the US right, studio said, hold on, that doesn't really fit. And then someone else in the US studio said, what, do you hate God? <laughs> what so, do you mean? You, you hate yeah. Jesus? <laughs> you, you hate our yeah. veterans. <laughs> it's probably how it You're went. You're burning the American flag. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. But I mean, but and, um, I agree with Clive. The, the bit with the, um, 
around the racetrack on can uh, uh, in the casino it's just laid on too thick it, it's not yeah it's not it's, de- it's not delicately yeah, definitely, done yeah. the fact they've gone yeah, to that casino the fact they've gone to that casino that is you know so reminiscent of a bit like the cantina from the original and they've had a a rollicking joyride through the town that's all brilliant do that all day long yeah, but you can <laughs> cut just the bit where she leans out on the balcony and explains the story that you could cut out and it wouldn't feel so ham-fisted and it doesn't do a good enough job of it doesn't do a good job of kind of explain you know finn loves it but loves it for 22 seconds until she's explained it to him and then he doesn't there's no conflict there you know there's no yeah he's not gone on an arc he's just he's he's missed a point and then the point is explained to him like there's no arc there he didn't even know the place existed and then 20 seconds later he likes it and then 20 seconds later he doesn't like it that's not an arc get rid of it yeah yeah, definitely. There's, a, there's a, it could have been streamlined a bit. I think it is slightly, you know, two things could have been cut out. That being a prime candidate. <laughs> but other I think, than that, I, think I didn't lot... think that was flabby. Like I didn't, I don't, I um... don't recognise this. I, I didn't notice it when I was watching it. That it was flabby. I think the only reason that it felt like a long, it felt like I'd been in the cinema a long time. And not saying that's a bad thing, but I noticed it was the fact that there were essentially three different finales. You know, every time the, you thought the film was about to end, it didn't. There wasn't another finale started. I think. I think. I think the only reason I thought it flabby was because essentially it wasn't necessary to the plot. Really, not massively necessary. Obviously, we, we saw it as a failed attempt to help the resistance that end up, like Clive said, killing a lot of people. But it felt like at times it felt like they were looking for something for Finn to do. You know, here is one of the main characters from the first one. We can't just have him doing nothing in mm. this one. Uh, we've got to give him his own arc or his own story. And I thought I had a lot of fun watching it, but um, during the second time, I was absolutely busting for the loo. And I picked <laughs> two. I picked two minutes during that sequence to go, and okay, I didn't feel yeah. I didn't feel like I missed much. I think it links into the like making it a bit unpredictable though as well because it it does this side thing and you're thinking at the time oh this has got to be a success and be one of the main parts and then it ends up not actually doing a lot and i can i think that kind of adds to the unpredictability of it even though the first time i did think that whole thing was a bit of a waste of time one second time i thought yeah actually i like it (laughs) i like that he's put that in there and it doesn't it's like not every mission is a success kind of thing and that doesn't mean it's pointless it just means that's just the way things are. Well, I think there were two. There were two big points that that whole sideline mission had that are going to be, you know, you would think are going to be that you'll think I would think are going to come back in the next film. Uh, uh, you know, first off, there is a there's a there, there's Finn's love story now mm-hmm. with Rose, which I partic- I like particularly. Because, my God, will it be a fucking cop-out if Finn and Ray get together in the final movie? Yes. I will be so fucked off if that happens. Mm. Um, You know, they are are goddamn friends, and why can't they just be friends, and why can't the woman just be really fucking... can't just be the hero of the movie without getting off with a guy. I mean, if they... I mean, (laughs) if they... I mean, a... Clearly, Abrams every fucking plan for them from the first film. I really feel like at no point Abrams and Johnson sat down in the in a room and talked no, and this I like through. That. And I I love it. I feel like I th- I feel Johnson, like Johnson didn't like a lot of things and, Abrams and, was doing. 
I think he probably hated Force Awakens and went, fuck that, I make, I'm going to ruin everything and I'm going to make a mess and I'm going to see how the fuck you're going to get out of this, Abrams. And I, and yeah, I absolutely love it. I saw it, it as the second time and I was like, brilliant. Yeah. <laughs> this it's is like, why, why does Finn have a love story? Just because Abrams wanted him to get off with way. Why have we killed Snoke? Because <laughs> fuck you, Abrams, <laughs> we've, killed, we've killed Snoke. Why is Hux now a, a, you know, a figure of fun? Well, fuck you, Abrams, he's not an evil guy. He's just a, he's a comic relief. Every single bit of it is just fuck you, Abrams. And I really quite liked it. Because I really loved The Force Awakens for doing what it needed to do, which was after you know, making me interested in Star Wars uh, however many years, 10 years, 9 years after the previous Star Wars movie and then arguably 20-odd years since the last good Star Wars movie. And it did that by, you know, basically bringing out the old the old canon, dusting it down and, and jazzing it up just enough that it, you were interested. And mm-hmm. then all the seemingly accidental little hooks that Abrams left in that... Rian has Johnson has then like has pulled wide open and made really interesting. Mm-hmm. The fact Ray's mm. we don't know who Ray's parents are. Johnson Rian Johnson has made it so much more interesting than what you imagine Abrams' version of this was, which was you're going to find out that they are famous Jedi from somewhere or other. <laughs> yeah, I really really hope he doesn't change that round because surprise, actually her parents <laughs> aren't nobodies. Uh, it's Yoda and Obi Wan. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> Yeah, um, the reincarnation of um, whatever fucking Samuel L. Jackson's character was Mace Windu. Yeah, there you go. Yeah, that's Ray. Ray is Mace Windu. Um, yeah, yeah. So that's so that's the first bit is that love story and the fact that it hopefully puts an end to any potential for Ray and Finn getting together. I so it would be so good, like you say, that if the, if it just happened that they were just really good friends, because that's like never happened. Absolutely. It needs yeah. to happen. Yeah, and <laughs> and not just that, but also it's not any kind of unrequited love. They are just they both just are friends and you know, yeah. allies and, you know, you know, they work together. They as just a team happen to be a man and, and they, a woman. Exactly. Yeah, yeah that would be yeah. that would be fantastic. The other bit was the um Benicio del Toro's character i feel like he could have a role to play in the next movie as well so you met Mm. him uh, yeah you met benicio del toro playing benicio del toro as benicio (laughs) del toro um and you you know you might you might there might be something to come of that in the next one i'm not sure so much about that but certainly the first bit but um oh there was a i've forgotten now there was a side. There was a side point we were going down when I was making the first point, and I can't. I can't remember oh, anymore. Sh- oh, I'm sure it was going to be brilliant. I'm sure it was going to no. be the most insightful <laughs> thing I had to say. Yeah, I realise now, like how just how fascinating this the film is. You know, you can enjoy. You can, I think. Yeah, there's so much to it. it I, I loved it. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, we've been talking about it for like you know 50 minutes now without. <laughs> yeah. Which just yeah. I think explains without that anyone listening. <laughs> there's not many films you could do that about and no. yeah I think I agree like the second time I think I did see it more as like a, a fuck you to uh, Abrams and I did really like that I think Ryan Johnson just kind of did what he wanted and didn't really care what anyone else thought and I kind of appreciated that much more the second time whereas the first time like you Dave I was maybe a bit affronted by it <laughs> but I think he's a I think the best forms of art sometimes you know on the first time you're a bit like whoa what the fuck yeah absolutely whereas it takes you a while to <laughs> get into it so yeah overall love it it's cool. really good it'll be right. interesting to see what abrams does with the final one now that, yeah. uh, 
I, but but what, what, I am, what I am, what I am, I am totally prepared for Abrams to really disappoint me, and just produce yeah. Return of the Jedi two. Yeah, um, I mean, a- a- Abrams is famous. Uh, all these projects that he's been involved in are famous for not being able to finish a wank. Basically, um, I mean, look at Lost. What a colossal disappointment that was. Yeah, um, we'll we'll see. Um, but but I think he was probably. He, he, he was definitely the right man to relaunch it, but I'm not sure about finish it. Yeah, but I am. I am glad that um, even if that is the case, that um, it's been proved that uh, Ryan Johnson can, you know, can be trusted with it for when his bunch of films come out, whenever they do come out. I mm. guess the thing I'm more apprehensive about almost is how quickly all these films are going to be coming out now. Um, you know, Star Wars has this yeah. prestige, not because, not even, bec- not necessarily because they're better films than anything else, but you've never been overloaded with them. And if Disney now go full Marvel Studios on it, I mean, we are only now um, four and a half months away from the next Star Wars film. With Solo is coming out in May. Um, mm. And then. I mean, then I don't think we'd do another one until 2019, at least, Christmas 2019. But if we get another trilogy, you know, a couple of years after that, one a year with solo film, you know, with standalone films dotted around, I could see there being a Snoke standalone film, for example. Mate. <laughs> I, I think I, it will start to get... I agree yeah. that it's, it was good for this movie, but it was such a big thing for all the kind of... all the proper nerds who really care like me uh, who would then probably go and pay to watch a, a you know a feature length thing of it mm. okay not, not the next one sure. by any means because there are lo- there are loads to come before it but in in 2023 when we've had 20 star wars films <laughs> since 2010 yeah we might start to know, get fatigued that's what we're that's we're going to start getting snoke to this the the snokening and, and, and we're going to be sick of everyone's it. Pre, everyone's origin story. Yeah, absolutely. You don't really care about yeah. it. <laughs> right, shall we Shall we move on? I feel like... Sounds we've, good. We've, we've talked plenty of Star Wars there. Yeah. I've, <laughs> I've, got, I've got a couple of films I'm going to rattle through um, with differing opinions on each of them. Uh, I'm going to mention the Netflix film Mudbound. Has anyone seen this, by the way, other than myself? I've heard of it and I've seen an interview about it, but I've not seen it yet. No, so I'm interested to see what you think. Seen what? Okay. Sorry. Well, uh, Mudbound. It's I've called. not it's, not heard of it. It did have a cinematic release. I'm not sure about in this country, but it's got um, Kerry Mulligan in it, right? Yeah. No. It, it's but anyway, of, yeah. it's really really good. Um, stars Kerry Mulligan, um, Jason Clark, uh, Garrett Hedlund, uh, Jason Mitchell, and Mary J. Blige. Uh, it's basically set in the aftermath of World War Two. Um, in Mississippi, essentially, it's a story of one family who own the farm and another family, a black family, who work on the farm. Uh, each of them has one son come back from World War Two to differing kind of, you know, results, reactions. And it's it's a strange, strange, almost um, poetic film, but um, it, it's brilliant. Um, I mean, visually, it's absolutely stunning. And the fact the film's called Mudbound, it... And definitely plays on the fact that this farm is basically this, essentially just a pile of mud with something growing on it, and it's everything is dirty and sort of like dripping in filth, basically. Um, 
and the film will will has that effect where it will make you writhe with anger at basically the racism on show but not in a way that's just absolutely you know manipulative to the point of you know oh here's some racist behavior it's that while there are some extreme examples in the film for me there was the it was the examples uh, that were more subtle more undercurrent that were more angering i was really impressed by this um i haven't seen anything by the director before someone called d re d rays or Rees. Um, but I was massively impressed by the performances, particularly actually of Kerry Mulligan and Jason Clark. Jason Clark, you might know best from things like um, Dawn of the Planet of the Apes, but he's a very understated performer. I thought he's really good in this. Um, Who does he play in Dawn of the Planet of the Apes? He's the main guy, you know, like the main bearded. Yeah, kind of. He's, yeah, yeah. yeah he doesn't. He doesn't look like an actor. Which is he's not to say, understated. yeah, it's it's not to say he's not a good-looking guy, but he just looks like an ordinary bloke, mm-hmm. and he's very good in this. It's not a character who is especially, you know, dramatically racist, but a character who lives in a racist world who kind of obliges that racist world, if you like. And also, there's a very strong supporting performance by Jonathan Banks, who people will probably better know from Breaking Bad, who plays Mike. Anyway, this is absolutely worth your while. Um, it's an interesting take on, you know, people coming back from a world war. Both of them heroes, getting totally different reactions. Um, it doesn't ever feel like it's something um, that's unnecessary that we've seen before. And there's been a lot of films about World War Two. There's been a lot of films about racism. But um, while I'm not sure this breaks fresh ground, it feels like it is fresh in of, in of itself. Um, looks gorgeous, really well directed, and um, and I was I was mesmerised from the start. Really good film. Ah, cool. You, you seem to be someone who was interested in you know the First World War and the Second World War, David. I mean, what what would you say is your favourite sort of war. World War Two film? Not 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 favourite war. You know, you can't say Star <laughs> the Star War. Uh, what's your favourite World War Two film? Oh, Christ, that's a hell of a question, isn't it? Yeah. Um, same question. Same question to you as well, Clive. But I just, I don't know. I associate Dave with this. Yeah, genre. I haven't seen as many, but I'll, I'll show. I can think of a favourite. You can come, you can come back to me later anyway. While you're thinking about that, let's yeah. talk about the other film I saw. So, I'm going to absolutely uh, quantify uh, why I've seen this film first of all. So, in my capacity at work, uh, my team uh, was allowed to go to the cinema on work's time to uh, see a film, which is great. Unfortunately, uh, we weren't given the option to see The Last Jedi. It had to be a Christmas film, which left us with two choices. Um, Pitch Perfect 3, which got my vote. I've seen the first one. It's not really my sort of film, but, you know, know, it's fun. The other other pick was um, Daddy's Home 2. Oh God! Um, right. Do you want to have a guess? At, do you want to have? Do you want to have a guess at what I had to go and see? <laughs> Daddy's Home too. Uh, indeed, it was um, <laughs> sequel to the 2015 film Daddy's Home. Stars Will Ferrell, Mark Wahlberg, John Cena, uh, John Lithgow, Linda Cardinelli, and somewhat controversially Mel Gibson. Wow! What a steaming pile of shite. Um, <laughs> I've. What I found most jarring, uh, ahead of everything in the film, and everything is jarring in this film, um, is the product placement. I was sat in a cine world watching this, but I was bombarded by references to Showcase. I was bombarded by um, branding for Apple. 
I was bombarded by branding for oh, Kellogg's. Oh, God. It, like, this film must have been entirely financed by product placement. There must have been about at least 10 or 12 examples of it. And considering the cast is pretty strong, you know, Will Ferrell, he's made his fair share of bad films, but fair share of great films as well. You know, Mark Wahlberg, again, mixed bag, but certainly somebody who's capable of good performances and good films. John Lithgow, you know, Churchill, great. This film is, is a stinker. I mean, generally, everybody's awful in it. It's like um, Linda Cardinelli is a, I think, quite underrated, actually, generally probably better known for TV work, and she is really, really good in things like Bloodline. Uh, but it's like like someone told her not to act in this. Like she was watching it, and uh, they said, no, no, whoa, whoa, Linda, 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 Linda. You're giving it too much here, you know. It's Daddy's Home too, you know. We don't need that level of performance. I mean, <laughs> it's, I mean this is a fatuous, you know, commercialised mess of a film. That isn't funny. Not even it's not even funny in a you know gross out kind of you know trash comedy kind of way. It somehow wants to be a family comedy film, but then it also wants to be a Will Ferrell film, and it just makes a mess out of all of it. Um, to say that John Cena is probably the best thing in this film tells you everything you need to know, and he's not good in this, by the way. He's just the best thing in it. I mean, John, what is John Lithgow thinking? Come on, John, you're better than this. I mean. I'm guessing he must have seen a check with, you know, seven figures on it and say, yes, please. I mean, Mel Gibson is cast basically as everybody's worst idea of Mel Gibson in what I imagine he thought of as a, you know, an apologetic role almost, you know, to satirise himself. But he doesn't come across that way. It just comes across as, you know, Mel Gibson's an arsehole. Here he is making a few million pounds being an arsehole. I mean... (sighs) What made it more irritating was everyone I went with seemed to enjoy it a lot more than me, including the person next to me who was laughing like a drain the entire time. And I, I think I turned in my seat a few times and just looked at them like, what did you find <laughs> funny about that? I mean, it was... Uh, Christ knows how bad Daddy's Home 1 was, but it can't have been as bad as this. Um, yeah, this is comfortably the worst cinema experience of the year for me. Um, obviously, there's not a chance I would have seen it otherwise. Um, but the the best thing I can say about this film is it gives me context for the good films I'm watching. Sometimes you you know it's like if you're a sports fan who only supports um, the New England Patriots, Manchester United. You know you only used to winning, so you can't appreciate the wins. I felt like I appreciated Star Wars: The Last Jedi a lot more because I'd seen Daddy's <laughs> Home too. Good. Well, <clears throat> I suppose there's that to come out of it. So. Yeah, you've got to take the wins where you can find them sometimes. Um, Look for the positive. Definitely. Wow. Not one that I was on the list to see anyway, but... um, Yeah, I mean... yeah, I've crossed it off. It's non-existent (laughs) place in the list. (laughs) Clive, have you you seen anything else you want to add before we... Um, I've seen a few other things, but I'm just going to mention one that uh, I particularly liked, which is Mordy, uh, which I watched... I don't know, it was a 99p rental thing on the play store i think and i got this um Mordy's direct it came out this year i think like march aprilish in england um it's directed by aisling walsh stars sally hawkins and ethan hawk um, a big ethan hawk fan um it's about the life of artist maud lewis who's played by sally hawkins um a painter who suffers with arthritis and kind of she's kind of seen as a parasite 
to her family because of the fact she can't, you know, bring in her own money, etc., etc. And they always have to look after her and all this kind of stuff. Um, right at the start of the film, she answers a job ad of a guy looking for some help around the house. Uh, this man turns out to be a fish peddler. Um, his name's Everett, and he's the guy who's played by Ethan Hawke. Initially, he's kind of hostile towards her, but as time goes on, they, they get on more and more. It, it covers a lot of things, you know, dis- disability, lots of sort of creative self-doubt, um, which is something I can sympathise with, um, relationships. Um, I thought it was really great. I was really surprised, because I'm not usually a fan of romance films, and uh, when I was sitting down to watch it, I thought I wasn't going to like it. But I thought it just covered it in a very non-cheesy, non-idealistic. It was very realistic. There's lots of aspects of the relationships that relationship that are far from perfect and even bad um, that I thought were covered really interestingly. And I think the film shines mainly because of the two amazing performances by Ethan Hawke and uh, Sally Hawkins. I think Ethan Hawke's particularly good. He's just completely different to the other characters I've seen him do, which is always a sign of a great actor. And it was completely convincing. It has this kind of really minimalistic soundtrack that never yanks the tears out of your eyes, but, you know, occasionally tugs a little to help them out, I suppose, but um, never in a way that felt manipulative, which I really appreciated it for. It was more just like a realistic portrait of this relationship without make, uh, forcing you to feel certain emotions, which is which I always really like in a film. Um, it's one of those films that isn't necessarily an enjoyable watch, but I feel like it's one of the more essential films to be released this year. I really, really liked it, and I think it's one that a lot of people missed because it. I don't know if it came out when there was other stuff coming out, or I've certainly not heard many people talking about it, but the people I have heard talking about it praise it highly. So I'd recommend um, going to see it. Yeah, I thought it was really good. Check it out. Yeah, I don't think I've heard of this one. Um, it's quite rare that I haven't heard of a film, but... Um... Yeah, well, that, I suppose that Ethan, shows. <laughs> Ethan Hawke is usually a um, a reliable barometer of a film's quality. I can't think of too many bad films he's in. Um, yeah, I've definitely never seen one. I've always liked the ones that he's in, and Boyhood is probably my favourite film, and he's obviously in that. I also like all the the Before Sunset trilogy, and he was in a sci-fi one that I really like that I've forgotten the name of. Gattaca. No, it's oh, he plays like this guy who goes. Travels oh, time and yes, I remember being an assassin. Yeah. I can't remember what it's called. That was really good. Um, yeah, but he's completely different in this. Plays more of an old man who's got a lot of issues, but he was fantastic. So, highly recommended. Cool. Okay, so it's, before we wrap things up, Dave, have you got anything else you've seen you want to talk about? No, nothing else that I've seen. No, thank you. Though. Okay, you're welcome. Uh, <laughs> Right. Um, so I feel like I feel like there's something we should be doing about now. Um, <laughs> you feel like on, on another note before we uh, move on, has any have, have you seen Jim and Andy Al the documentary about Jim Carrey? No, thingy? It, no, it's on my list. It's what it's something I'm intending to watch. Properly, properly odd. I'd recommend it. Um, that's all I'll say. Ooh. I won't go into a full review, <laughs> but uh, yeah, worth a watch. Um, anyway, what were you saying now? Oh, I was just trying to contrive a way to make a joke about time or or plugs or um, you know I, I feel um, like I feel like it's been done so much to death at this point where it, is it even possible to come up with an original <laughs> pun for this? Um, I don't think it is. I think we've pretty much ruined all the the jokes. So I'll just <laughs> scream at the mic instead. Plug oh, no. time! <laughs> at Stick Around Cast on Twitter. Stickaroundpodcast at gmail.com on the emails. You can find us on slash stickaround, Patreon, give us some money. 
Um, it helps to fund website hosting costs and all that other stuff. You can find us on Facebook at slash stick around podcast. You can find us on any podcast app. Just type stick around in, subscribe, give us five star or one star reviews on iTunes, please. They help to you know, raise no, the profile. No threes or fours or twos. No, no none of that shite. <laughs> we want to be divisive. Don't like The Last Jedi. Um, <laughs> and I, th- I feel like I've definitely missed a lot of stuff there, but my brain's. Fr- gone yeah, it's just fried you just you just i've just destroyed talked last jedi so much it's just that, destroyed you oh yeah well, my brain's been lightsabered um <laughs> is there anything i've missed the glaringly al uh not that not that i can tell um, okay good dave i think we'll be back next time with it's i think it's tv's turn and i think it's gonna i think we're gonna be on lists now aren't we which ah uh, yeah possibly we're gonna have a new format for so we might be doing a bit well, more of a we'll collaborative say. list which should yeah. be should be fun. We're still trying to work out how to do it, but so that should be good. But yeah, I think it is technically going to be TV next, isn't it? But we'll see. First of the new year, twenty eighteen. Boom! It, it's got to be better than twenty seventeen. Um, it can't be much worse, can it? So twenty seventeen jumped the shark. <laughs> the world jumped the shark. Yeah, yeah. I mean, that's what everyone said in nineteen thirty eight, wasn't it? Uh, <laughs> oh dear. <laughs> <laughs> right on, on that on that dark <laughs> on that note, note. Um, if we're still here next episode um, it's been good to speak to you both but it's been quite good to have a long discussion about a film it's quite good yeah that we've all it seen obvi- it's obviously that we yeah, fascinated all of us yeah yeah so that's been fun um, cool. so it's it's bye from me adios it's bye from Al see ya and it's bye from Dave sayonara Stick around. Stick around. Pretty good. Thank you all for listening. Rest assured that you have found the best podcast in the universe. It's Stick around. That that first note um, in the song, I believe it was you that said it, Dave, is is very just like it does make you just sit up and go, "Whoa, what just happened?" Oh, in Star Wars, <laughs> yeah, the first thing that comes on. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> I've never really yeah. noticed it before until you mentioned it. But it's, now, every it, time I go and see it, <laughs> it's a it's a note. It's a note that says, "Get the fuck off your phone." Yeah, and it's not really related to the following tune, is it? There's just like this. (laughs) And then then the tune starts playing. It's like someone's just bled. (laughs) Yeah, someone fell asleep on the trombone or whatever the fuck that is. (laughs) And gets a sharp kick in the ankle when 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 the conductor walks on step.